Welcome to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Sunbury Press publishes print, electronic, and audiobooks under a variety of imprints and categories available worldwide wherever books are sold. And now your host, the founder and CEO of Sunbury Press, Lawrence Knorr. We're at the Christian Baker Farm near historic Boiling Springs, Pennsylvania. My guest today is author Nancy Hayes Kilgore. She's the author of Bitter Magic. In the Scottish Highlands, young Margaret encounters Isabel, a cunning woman. Margaret is enchanted by Isabel's tales of fairies and magic and begins to sneak away from her strict Protestant family to learn healing charms and visit the other world. But Isabel has a dark secret, and when she's arrested for witchcraft, Margaret becomes a suspect too. Can Catherine, Margaret's tutor, and a Christian mystic save them? Nancy Hayes Kilgore is the author of two other novels, Wild Mountain and Sea Level. Her writing has won the Vermont Writers' Prize and a Forward Reviews Book of the Year award. She has been published in the She Writes Press Anthology, Times They Were A-Changing, Women Remember the 60s and 70s, in Bloodroot Literary Magazine, Vermont Magazine, The Bottle Imp, and on Vermont Public Radio. Nancy is a graduate of the Radcliffe Writing Seminars and holds a Master of Divinity degree and a Doctorate in Pastoral Counseling. She is a psychotherapist, former parish pastor, and leads workshops on creative writing and spirituality. She lives with her husband, dog, and cat in Vermont. Nancy, welcome. Thank you, Lawrence. Well, I I have to start off by asking about um, the Master of Divinity, Doctoral, Doctorate, but writing writing about witchcraft, so (laughs) maybe you can explain. (laughs) Well, that that would involve a whole life story. (laughs) Yeah, uh, we have 30 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I, okay, I'll just try to encapsulate. I was um, kind of a hippie in the 70s, and I lived on an ashram, a yoga ashram, and, and then I decided by meditating that I was Christian, so I ended up going to a, a Christian seminary and doing, um, being an interim pastor in the Presbyterian Church for a few years, but then I, you know, was really more interested in psychotherapy, so then I did that doctorate, and I, that's what I've done mostly, besides writing. <clears throat> but the, um, the writing just kind of comes, <laughs> came spontaneously. Not that it was easy. <laughs> it's taken me years to write each novel, but yeah. I love it. Yeah, and I know you've got now three novels. Of course, Bitter Magic yeah. is one we were the first publisher, Wild Mountain, which I know there'll be another interview about. That's a book that uh, you had written a few years back that we, we've taken on, and then you have a book called Sea Level. Uh-huh. Um, so let's, let's focus in on Bitter Magic. Mm. Based in Scotland, um, do you have the Kilgore name? Sounds like a Scottish name. Uh, what connection to Scotland? Why the interest in Scotland and the Highlands? Yes, well, you know, I was um, looking through my grandfather's um, book on family history, and there are a lot of Presbyterian ministers there, <clears throat> of which I was one at the time. And um, I, I got curious because a lot of them were covenanters during the uh, Scottish Reformation. I didn't know what that was, so I looked it up. And then I discovered that in the covenanter communities were the most witch trials. And in this one community, the famous uh, witch trial of Isabel Gowdy. And so that, that's what got me into to studying about it, because I wanted to look at the different belief systems 
at that time. And, and it was really uh, such a pivotal time in history when, you know, this this folk culture, which had, where women had been pretty powerful, you know, with cunning women and uh, healing women, was being squelched by the um, Protestant Reformation. And, and those women were being called witches. I wanted to look at what what those what those so-called witches actually believed and what they practiced in and also what the Protestants at the time you know believed and and how they were living <clears throat> so this story what? really brought my attention for that now that the time frame for this was mid to late 1600s 1662 yeah. <laughs> and how much how much of your novel is historical and how much of it is Fiction, I, I'm guessing, you know, obviously the dialogue and so on would, would obviously yeah. be fiction, but um, how much of the situations are based on true stories or, or some grain of truth? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> Margaret, the protagonist, is fictional. And, um, but there was actually, she, she was the daughter of the Laird, and there was actually a daughter of the Laird at that time, but I didn't know anything about her. But the um, other characters, most of them are, actually historical. Mm -hmm. Of course, I made up <clears throat> the dialogue and things, but there's Isabel Gowdy, and uh, there's, she has one of the most extensive verbatim confessions that we still have uh, of her, what she said, and which is really interesting. <laughs> and then her persecutors, the, the local minister and the laird, who was the uh, father of this um, girl that I made into the protagonist, so there is a there is a built-in conflict right there. Yeah, yeah. So um, I know in our Pennsylvania Dutch culture, we have something called powwow, which is uh, sort of a white magic. It is Christian aligned in many ways, but its roots really are Northern European uh, mystical beliefs that go way way back in time. You know, they're very much superstitions, but believing in different rituals and spell like, you know, certain herbs, certain this or that, saying the right word right. on the right Tuesday <laughs> under the right moon, something might happen. Um, you know, so that, that's been a part of the Pennsylvania Dutch culture. Nobody was persecuted for that really, but it was kind of a hush hush thing and uh, something oh, that that's in, interesting. out in the country, uh, you had powwow practitioners. My great grand, great, great grandfather was one handed a book oh. down to my grandmother and she's handed the book to me that I keep in a, um, it, it's a prized tome that is her first edition of an old book. That's worth There's the, a, a novel few, right there for yeah. you, Lars. <laughs> yeah, but, I, but the reason I'm mentioning it, not to brag about powwow and <laughs> family history, it's more about this um, sort of these early Northern European beliefs and you were talking about belief systems. So how much of this Presbyterian uh, concern about anything unchristian, how much of it is truly like dark satanic stuff versus more of this cultural, let's say, you know, proto-pagan beliefs? Uh, I do mean the, the witchcraft yeah. beliefs. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that was really fascinating because I think, you know, as a feminist, uh, you know, uh, many of us, including me, just automatically thought, well, these were just healing women, and they were um, unjustly persecuted, which is true for the most part. But then, then I thought, well, what? You know, this this confession of Isabel's. She she talked about 
uh, her, you know, having second sight and and being in tune with, in touch with the fairies and traveling in this other world. And I found out that this was an actual, you know, kind of belief system then that people, certain people were psychic and they could, you know, uh, communicate with the dead and, and go into the other world. And um, there's a whole other world for some reason. Right. Uh, and, and that these women, mostly, who were most powerful, um, sort of uh, were, were the head of the community in, in some ways in terms of they had the most powerful power and um, they they could heal but they could also you know get back at their enemies now mm-hmm. Scotland at the time was a, a, a whole culture of revenge I mean, there are these clans that were fighting each other and then you had the Protestants versus the Catholics and the English versus the Scots, and when one person would, you know, get attacked, they, <clears throat> the other would have to, you know, attack that for their honor. So the these cunning women were not immune to that kind of revenge culture. So a lot of what Isabel confessed to was was uh, black magic. She yeah. <laughs> it was her way of getting back at the oppressive social system. Gotcha, Nancy. We're going to take a break. We're talking to Nancy Kilgore and the author of Bitter Magic. We'll be right back. The Writers' Conference of Northern Appalachia takes place March 10th and 11th at Robert Morris University. This two-day conference brings together authors and enthusiasts interested in the literature of the region with the aim of recognizing past writers and helping current ones develop. Twenty workshops and presentations on poetry, heritage, historical fiction, as well as voice and marketing. Register at WCONA.com. We're back with Nancy Kilgore, the author of Bitter Magic. Nancy, we're kind of talking a little bit about Scottish history, and I know that uh, there was a lot of difficulty, especially around the time of Henry VIII, uh, breaking away from the Catholics, starting the Church of England. Um, There's Certainly during the Protestant Reformation as a whole, there's also all kinds of splintering of Christianity. So... um, The Presbyterians, though, up in Scotland, some of them, they're being persecuted. Some of them head over to Northern Ireland. Ultimately, a lot of this, what we then call the Scots-Irish, come to America. Many of them become patriots, and uh, quite a few of them are involved in the American Revolution a hundred years later. But we, you know, that's not what this book is about. But just kind of giving that whole bigger picture of the region we're talking about and the people we're talking about. But back in the mid-1600s, you have this this discord. Um, I'm I'm guessing some of this is like the roots of what ultimately comes to Salem, Massachusetts, at some point too, right? Right, and um, Salem was um, really the height of the witch witch trials. There was the late 1600s, whereas in Scotland it was really um, mid 1600s. Right. But um, but you're right. The um, Henry VIII breaking off from the Catholic Church really <laughs> triggered a, a whole chain of events that, um, you know, and then, then the, uh, the the Scots, Irish, the Presbyterians in Scotland were adamantly uh, anti-Catholic, but they right. were also anti-Church of England, which was the, you know, Henry VIII's church. Um, so they, they were, um, <laughs> they were, and at one point the whole country of Ireland was declared Presbyterian 
uh, but then the English wanted to take over. Oh, it's very complicated. <laughs> right, right. When was Mary, Queen of Scots? Well, let's see. Mary, Queen of Scots was... Um, That's around was that time, too. Or is that earlier? Early, earlier, yeah, yeah. yeah. And her son, James, uh, the first king of Scotland and England, right. uh, was really instrumental in, in, in triggering the witch craze. Because uh, he... <clears throat> he uh, said that his he went to Denmark to, to get his bride, and on the way back there was this big storm, and he blamed it on the witches <laughs> <laughs> in Scotland. He said they created the storm and tried to destroy him. And so oh. that that's when big witch trials began. Yeah, Shakespeare's witches double, double boil in trouble, right? Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah, James, the same James who brought us the King James Bible, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Boy, I know my history a little bit now. Imagine that. You do. Yeah. <laughs> I should. I'm working on a PhD in history. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, I'm like well, where's all this stuff coming from? <laughs> well, that's great because I know that's not your particular era. No. No, but I'm just curious about – now, you're talking about belief systems, so I know you're an expert in that. What What would you say was the typical Scott Scottish belief system maybe outside of the strict Presbyterian? Oh, Outside of it, well, or were they mostly all? They all had to they be. They were mostly all. All the Protestants were Presbyterian, and um, they even, uh, for a while, um, well, they they basically tried to destroy the Catholic Church. Well, Henry VIII started that, mm -hmm. and then and then in Scotland they they did the same thing. They started knocking down monasteries, and Catholicism became illegal. Uh, and so the, the Presbyterians, the Protestants, equated Catholicism with the magic practice. Um, they thought, you know, the Catholic practices were superstitious um, because, you know, they thought Catholic believed that if you say certain words, you pray to certain saints, you can make something happen. They said that's that, that's magic. Right. Uh, <clears throat> And many of the cunning women like Isabel really had traces of Catholicism in the, in their um, in their belief system. I mean, they would say these um, charms and rituals in the name of the Father, Son, yeah. Holy Ghost, the saints, and the devil. <laughs> it's interesting because a lot of the I'm, I'm making parallels now to the Pennsylvania Dutch culture, which is not in your book, but just just making a point that a lot of those. Uh, little rhymes and, and charms or whatever you want to call them had very similar connections to some of the what we would have considered the Catholic saints. So that's fascinating. Uh, probably worth a little research on my end. But um, yes, it really is very interesting. Yeah. So um, it it seems like what would have just been natural psychic abilities that some people have that maybe we can't explain, but there's enough evidence that something like that exists in the world. Uh, somebody right. having those abilities and expressing them in in the era you're talking about in the place. That's what's what's so fascinating is is looking at that um, how you know how that worked out and how Isabel really talked about traveling with the devil and you know she uh, confessed to uh, shooting arrows at people when she was in this other world and, and killing people in the real world and. I mean, it's, it's, it's very confusing, you know, to try to figure out 
was she for real or was she, I mean, even at the time they thought, is she crazy or is she, you know, and so that's, that's what was interesting to me about writing the book and looking at. Sounds like, sounds like J.K. Rowling, only like a pre, (laughs) some prior life. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, yeah. Except this is, I I didn't make it up. I mean, somebody called it fantasy, but I did sort of imagine her her traveling with the fairies and stuff and that might be called fantasy but um you know it wasn't it wasn't something that i made up right (laughs) right which is what fantasy is yeah so she i mean she uh historically she in her confession she said some of these things which are really fantastic uh bizarre um i wonder how much of that was what she really experienced versus just her teasing the authorities. Oh, yeah, and that's a question, too, and how much, you know, was she forced to confess, Right. which, of course, many women were. Most scholars seem to think that she wasn't uh, tortured or or forced, Um, and also that she was in a little bit of a show-off, that she really, you know, she was a storyteller, and and she liked having all this attention and telling (laughs) all these things. but at one point then she did say uh, she was uh, remorseful and said she was so sorry. She did all these things. Of course, there's no evidence that, that she killed anybody, even though she confessed to it. Right. But, you know, but the thing is, the the Presbyterians at the time, they believed in this witchcraft, too. That's why they were so afraid. They felt like they had to get rid of these these women, women mostly women because they were um, actually uh, the devil in disguise. They were demons. They weren't really human, and that's why it was okay to torture them and kill them. It's really really sad. Well, on that very dark note, we're going to take another break. We'll be right back. Sunbury Press Books brings you the work of independent, diverse authors. Hearth and Home Press brings you When I Listen to a Farmer by Pete Curran, a book of photos and stories from American farmers. Also check out Fly Fishing for Trout and Bass, a beginner's quick guide by Charles F. Johnson, and At Home, 92 home-based activities to keep adults and children busy, sane, and centered by Prudence Ingerman. Find these and other intriguing works at sunburypress.com. I'm back with Nancy Kilgore, the author of Bitter Magic. And uh, when we left, we were talking about some pretty dark things. I'm going to try to bring this more into the light. Um, so uh, I am fascinated, though, by, by one more aspect uh, of the story that you mentioned. That's this concept of another dimension where these fairy creatures live. So many, like uh, the Celts wrote about Tuatha de Danann. Uh, there's, there's that Irish mythology the Norse uh, also have very similar stories, of course, in Northern Europe in the, the German areas. There's there's things like this. Um, this was, these beliefs were really widespread throughout Europe, and even in Africa and South America, there were you know similar kinds of, of groups, as, as Isabel talked about, who were into magic and. Um, you know, flying in this other dimension. Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, something that just came out of Scotland, obviously. 
Well, what's interesting about it is the consistency between, it's something like, I guess I should probably look into what Joseph Campbell wrote about it, because he, he's the one who studied all these global uh, legends and things and connected them. But yeah, it does seem like there's a a very consistent belief system about these kinds of creatures and beings. And um, I don't know, in, in your studies, is there anything, I know I know you have it in your novel, but and anything about that that you've seen that there's like a root to it or or some some place well, where it comes from? Yeah, no, I had one book that was really all fantastic research about Isabel Gowdy and her time and the people there and all the belief systems and, the you know, the similarity to the other beliefs throughout the world. Um, and... Um, I forget where your question was now. Oh, it was about fa- the, the fairy world, the, the other oh, dimension, yeah. yeah. Right, and um, <clears throat> yeah, so so it, it, I think it was kind of an archetype in, in the sense that mm-hmm. people throughout the world would have this spontaneously, you know, have this idea about this <clears throat> realm of beings that were between earth and heaven, you know, between humans and, and God, <clears throat> and that we could you know, we could somehow communicate with them and um, that some people had that power. And that's still, I'm sure, I don't know, in some places, in, in some ways, that's still a belief. And who knows? Maybe it's true. I mean, I, <laughs> it was hard for me to take a stand and be on one side or the other because, you know, just, and that's the one thing about a novel is you don't have to. You can just look at both, all the sides. Yeah. Well, it is fascinating when you look at like the more Hebrew biblical stuff with angels with wings, and then you go to yeah. no, you know, Ireland, and they're talking about fairies with wings, and then you go to uh, Sumeria, and they talk about a race that had wings. <laughs> I forget the name of them, but yeah. Uh, then in Egypt, you have you know the Sphinx. You had other. Beings. Of course, the Greeks, the Romans, they had their gods too, many of them uh, able to fly as well. The Indians in India had um, flying machines. and, and Yeah, so I guess this is a, a human yeah. uh, uh, thing that we all, you know, we all have this uh, maybe a yearning to, to, you know, see what else is, what other dimensions there. Yeah. Uh, well, bitter magic back in the 1660s in Scotland. These people are imagining these these fantastical things, and uh, you know, a woman's persecuted, and uh, it's quite an interesting story. Uh, the historical elements, to me, are what's fascinating. I'm sure to others, the whole narrative as well is is uh, is a great read, very well written. Um, what have, what kind of feedback have you gotten about bitter magic so far? Oh well. Mostly positive. I mean, I think a lot of people say, I'm so, I was so glad to learn that history. And, you know, it's not uh, part of history that's really written, has been written about a lot, even, you know, by historians. And so, um, you know, it was informative in that sense. And I think it was a good story. I mean, <laughs> I had all this history that I, I studied and, and researched, and, and the, the challenge was, how do you make that into a, a story, a novel? And then I came up with the idea of this protagonist, this young girl who's caught between both worlds yeah. and who's 
excited about Isabel, but also she has this um, mentor, her her tutor, Catherine, and she was a real person too, who was Christian mystic. And so, uh, and you know, there were actually some similarities between Catherine and, and Isabel's belief system, which which I think was pretty fascinating too. So in the few minutes we have left, I was going to ask you about your two other novels, Wild Mountain and Sea Level, but they are not related at all to Bitter Magic. But So before yes. we talk about those other two and close out, um, yeah. is there going to be a sequel to Bitter Magic or a prequel or, or anything else oh. along those veins, or you think you're done with that, that world? I, I think I'm done with it. Okay. I mean, I know that you, <laughs> that's much more uh, profitable when you write sequels, but I don't think I'm, I'm going to do that. Yeah, Sea Level was my first novel, and it was about a, a clergy woman and an artist in a small little uh, remote seacoast town uh, facing, um, you know, disapproval from the church. And some people didn't like clergy women, you know, and that came to a head. In the meantime, both of the women are kind of in a spiritual search themselves and uh sharing that with each other you know the artist was really into the goddess religion and <laughs> but uh and then wild mountain is i know you're from vermont we didn't even talk about where you're from and you're <laughs> and all that but uh well, actually I, I grew up in pennsylvania right that's irish country Western Pennsylvania, but yeah, I've been in Vermont for some years, and the, the uh, Wild Mountain was really fun because it was about a small town in um, the Green Mountains of Vermont uh, during the um, gay marriage conflicts was going on, and so it was fun to bring in these different characters that I <clears throat> kind of knew, you know, the type and right. uh, tell the story. I know Tori wants to interview you on his Brown Posey Press show about Wild Mountain. And uh, Vermont's where you live now, right? Yeah. Yeah. But so, Western PA, where in Western PA were you from? Outside of Pittsburgh. Okay. What town? Sewickley. Sewickley, okay. Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, the uh, Writers Conference of Northern Appalachia includes that whole Western PA, West Virginia, the um, little bit of Ohio and Western uh, New York, and it's uh -huh. a group that PJ Picarillo had been organizing, and we're now sponsoring this year. So anytime anybody talks about being from that region, um, you know, if you ever write anything in the region, uh, we we put it out on our Catamount Press imprint, and uh -huh. uh, we've been pushing that as well. Also, looking into the history of the region, some earlier authors like Henry Shoemaker and Herbert Stover are two that we're bringing back to the market. So, yeah, and always I in, when I hear a Western PA connection, uh, it always uh, makes me perk up a little more. But uh, so what <laughs> yeah, do you, do you have any events coming up? Anything going on in? Uh, oh, yeah, I have. I'm going to speak and, and bring my book to the ADEAW in Washington, D.C. And what that is, is the Associated Daughters of Early American Witches. <laughs> okay, they're in Washington, D.C., huh? Yeah, they're having their annual meeting there, and I'm going to I'm going to speak and just tell them about you know the Scottish witches and the similarities and differences. Uh, but it's really interesting. They're they're like the BAR, except they trace their ancestors to uh, condemned witches. Oh, I see. 
And I'll, I'll use a line from Monty Python. How do you know she's a witch? <laughs> but anyway, it's through the genealogy, huh? like the Dar. Interesting. So if somebody's yeah. descended from from somebody who historically was uh, accused of witchcraft, they're in this group? Right. Accused, uh, tortured, uh, or executed. Now, is there a, uh, a hierarchy that if they were executed, they're a little more important than the people who were just accused? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in the sons of the American Revolution, and... Uh, if you're descended from an officer, that that's more special than if you're just oh, a, descended okay. from a private. Uh, of course, anybody can be in leadership in it you know, these days, but you know well, everybody's talking about their lineage. And I guess if you were descended, because you can't be descended from Washington because he didn't have any kids. But say you were descended from Nathaniel Green, a famous general, uh, you'd be uh, you'd be really revered among the Tsar. So anyway, just curious how this organization works. I had never yeah. heard of it. That's fascinating. Yeah, well, it's not very well known, and, and they what they do is they get the biographies of or the stories of these ancestors, and they're all in the website there. Uh huh. A lot of them are, are this from the Salem, which is, um, you know, Rebecca Nurse was very famous, and some of these women are her descendants. Um, <clears throat> she was in the Salem witch trials. John Proctor. I don't know if you ever read the Crucible. Yes. Yes. But he was kind of a good guy, try and caught between, you know, trying to be uh, with the with the uh, government and trying to defend who his girls, women he knew were, you know, didn't deserve to be treated that way. So, and some people are, you know, in this organization are descendants of him. Right. Well, Nancy, we are out of time. I know. Uh Tori wants to have you on to talk about the other books, so I'm sure that will happen at some point. And uh, wish you all the best with that uh, trip down to D.C. with that interesting group. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Check out our website at www.sunburypress.com for our latest releases. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to receive special offers and discounts.